Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 56 for the week of July 1st, 2019. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike Lacombe. Hey, Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be talking about gut renovating the Big Five. I'm so yes. excited. I'm so excited uh, for this series, Mike. Like, <laughs> I love I, a summer project. <laughs> well, yeah, and like as soon as I realized that we could do it for all of July, it just made me so happy. Yeah, oh, I, I just love it when the calendar works out that way. Like our little June vacation is over. I'm just ready to come mm-hmm. back to work, roll up my sleeves and fix some nations. Yes. We should check in. Like, how are things going in the Netherlands? Like, how many cities do we have bidding at this point? Well, they started out with nine, or at least nine that indicated interest. They don't have to turn in their bid books until I believe it's July 10th. Of those nine, three have already decided to drop out uh, of consideration. Leeuwarden? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Okay. I'm learning Dutch on Duolingo, and its uh, pronunciation has never been my strong suit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Leovarden, they had to withdraw because uh, the venue that they were proposing, the ceiling was too low. Which, as someone who knows Dutch people, how? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're a very tall people. Yes, uh, like, I'm 6'3", and I've been inconvenienced by the Dutch at Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> like lovely people like uh like having great conversations with them but uh they they are of it, tall it stock, does just so. amuse me though just trying to th- i'm just trying to think of an arena where the ceilings are too low just like a fifteen thousand person venue with drop tile right exactly <laughs> but uh yeah i'm not sure what the specifications are but thinking back to like just how high the stage partitions go uh I guess it does have to be just a really high venue. And then I, I presume with the, lo- the lighting rigs and the camera work and stuff that it, it's uh, more than just head clearance. That you need. Yes. So, yeah, they are out. Uh, the Hague, which was one of the cities to kind of do the pre-win Eurovision planning. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Because like they, they yeah. were like the first to say, if we win, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. They ended up withdrawing their bid because the venue they landed on, they would have to construct a roof, and that's just cost prohibitive. And then Breda, they withdrew because they just didn't want to take on the expense of possibly hosting the contest because it runs into the millions of dollars. Yeah, that it's just not... feels very practical of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, other cities in their province are submitting bids, so they're kind of supporting those bids and probably functioning as like hey if you need hotel space we've got room yeah so now we're down to six cities and we should know by august i feel like we can trust the dates that we're given it wouldn't surprise me if one or two more cities or at least venues uh end up dropping out between now and the book submission deadline just because they still haven't quite nailed down a date. Like the date that's been floating around for the grand final has been May 16th, but that has not been confirmed yet. So stay tuned for that news. Yeah. And then uh, in, well, it's not, it's, it's less news and more content that we're making for you, our, our loyal listeners. If you follow us on Instagram and you should, we're, we're at your what over there. We've embarked on like a fun project, uh, given that we both have an interest in, in international cooking, Mike. Mm-hmm. We now have the say nom nom nom. So every week we've been we've been posting uh, either international or Eurovision inspired dishes. Uh, you kick things off with steak San Marino, mm-hmm. which led me into like a weird Google rabbit hole of trying to figure out why this was called steak San Marino. Like why San Marino? 
Yeah, did you end up finding an official answer? I, I or... did not. Yeah, because the way that I stumbled upon the recipe was uh, back when we were doing our semifinal coverage for this year. It was like, you know, I just want to try out some new recipes. So let's I'll just focus on trying to find recipes for whatever countries we were talking about in a given week. And the week we were talking about San Marino, I tried to find any San Marino recipes. And that was the only one that came up. And it's like, sure, we'll just assume that it has something to do with the country of San Marino and isn't just called steak San Marino. But mm-hmm. it's it's really tasty. And you can okay. make it in a slow cooker. Very easy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we'll be posting probably weekly. Yeah. Lots of photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben took some amazing photos of... Oh, I'm not even going to try to attempt yeah, to pronounce uh, so, what you made. <laughs> yes, I, I'm not either because it turns out it translates to happy marriage cake. Oh. Yeah. One of the cooking websites I follow, Serious Eats, had a post from from their baking person, Stella Parks, on how to make these awesome like jammy fruit bars uh, that, that she had a bunch of while she was on a trip to Iceland. And I was like, oh, hey, that that is an interest I also have. Uh, and... Made a batch earlier this year with some blackberries, and those were good. But this one, I went traditional and went with rhubarb. It's rhubarb season. Nice. Yes. We'll be doing this all summer, possibly longer than that, because like like Ben said, we both enjoy cooking. So yeah, this this is a fun project, and also it's a great venue for dad jokes. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm not going to spoil what this week's entry is, but it's going to be a pun, and I'm not going to apologize. So. <laughs> We're going to put those there so they don't end up on the show, but they will end up on the show. But Speaking yeah. of not wanting to apologize, shall we start talking about the big five? Or? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> so you suggested this as, wait, did you suggest this or did this come from a listener as, as like a thing we could do? It was kind of a combination. Okay. It was something that was on our minds anyways. Yeah. But uh, a listener uh, who will be joining us in a few weeks suggested this and uh, I was just like, okay, this is confirmation that this is a topic of interest. So... So, yeah, it, it felt like a good time to look at, okay, so the big five always end up on the second half of the scoreboard every year, and they always get mad about it. So what can we do to fix that? Well, as Americans, we can come in with confidence and knowing everything and fix things. Or so, leave yeah. a trail of destruction in our way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're going to do a terrible job mm-hmm. of renovating this house, get, getting out the sledgehammer and just like busting down all of the, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this. And that's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm not a construction professional. Who better to do a gut rehab? Uh, There we go. Sheetrock. That's the word I was thinking of. Just taking a sledgehammer to the sheetrock of of the Big Five. It might make sense to like start and just talk about what is the Big Five? Mike, what is the Big Five? Okay, so the Big Five, that's referring to the countries of France, Germany, Spain, the United Kingdom, and Italy. This distinction was bestowed upon them back in uh, 1999 when uh, Eurovision had encountered an era of kind of rapid expansion. The USSR breaking up, Yugoslavia breaking up, uh, Czechoslovakia splitting apart, although Slovakia is just kind of eh about the whole thing. Uh, but there were just a lot more countries that wanted to participate. And it wouldn't be great if the grand final had 40 countries, because that would be one very we long We need to go show. to bed. Right. So they were trying different methods to kind of keep the number of participating countries under control. 
And that involved off-air audition semifinals where songs were submitted and then a panel of experts were just like, all right, we're going to choose these 20 or so songs to compete. And that's not a great system. And then they were doing relegation for a while where if you finished below a certain threshold, you wouldn't be eligible to compete the next year so that other countries could come in and play. And that's also not great, particularly if you're from one of the less popular countries. So this was still before the semifinal system uh, that we know and love today uh, came into effect. They kind of needed to make sure that the financial backing of the contest was still in good shape, uh, because the five countries that make up the big five, they're also the biggest financial contributors to the contest. The way that they determine the entry fees for Eurovision, it's a combination of the number of viewers and population of the country, possibly the number of TV stations that are actually broadcasting, so like the size of the country, a number of different factors. And the five countries that are contributing the most helps out with the smaller countries like San Marino, Montenegro, countries that are just not going to be able to make as much of a financial contribution. And like, as we just said, it's several million dollars to get the contest up and running. So when this took effect, they announced in the 1999 contest that uh, they were going to have what was known then as the big four, because Italy was in the middle of a rather lengthy hiatus. Oh, yeah, from like 1994 to 2010, we're just like, now we're good. Except for 1997, like, now we're back. Mm -hmm. As far as I could tell, there wasn't any sort of impetus for their departure. They're just like, nah, we're good. So, (laughs) Italy gonna Italy, I guess. Yeah, now we're good. We have a song contest. We're We're good. Bye. When Italy did come back, they were sort of grandfathered into the big five distinction. Probably because they were maybe number two or three or four on the list, and one of the big four would have had to get knocked out, and uh, that would not have gone over well. (laughs) No, no, we don't want that kind of drama. We want other kinds of drama. It was a controversial decision in introducing this, but it was among several controversial decisions. This was also the time when the orchestras were eliminated from the contest. We talked about that during one of our off-season podcasts last year. The free language rule was reinstated, so that really opened the door for a wider range of entries for countries. Also, this was a year that Israel was hosting, and this might surprise you, there were many organizational challenges <laughs> faced by Israel that year. As <laughs> so, it turns out, this, it's kind of a pattern. Uh, maybe, but uh, yeah, and then like Y2K was uh, on everybody's mind. Yeah, it was... Just a lot was going on. Yeah, it was a year. So France, Germany, Spain, United Kingdom were just given free entry into the final. And it does have some pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like yeah. on the yeah, like on the on the plus side, you have sort of those larger nations that can spend a little bit more money helping subsidize some of the smaller, more more financially precarious broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also you just have some nice tent poles for the for the grand final. You have some stuff that we haven't seen already if you've been watching the entire week. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. If you're already in the final, it maybe gives you less of an incentive to, to, to send your best because you don't have to, you don't have to fight for it. You're just there. It, it's less skin in the game. That's one of the major criticisms that Turkey has had. Turkey last competed in 2012, and one of the reasons that they cite is just like, yeah, it's not necessarily fair that these countries get a free entry into the final and consistently finish toward the 
bottom of the leaderboard. Whereas if relegation were still in play, they would probably be knocked out. They would be sitting on the bench for a year or two. Yeah, so I I think that's a valid criticism. There's also perhaps the reason why they're finishing toward the bottom is because they're not getting that earlier exposure in the week. And... So they're kind of going into the final at a disadvantage. They've been trying to work yeah, around been, they've that. They've been doing a good job of like trying to incorporate, uh, you know, three nations at a time. So the host and then the big five mm-hmm. uh, into into like the, the semifinals so that we're seeing a dress rehearsal. We're seeing live footage of that. Well, not live. We're seeing footage of them performing the song just to acquaint audiences with that before it, it comes back. But yeah, like it, it's not necessarily making that much of a dent. This year was the 20th year that the big four, big five distinction has been in effect and so yeah that's why we kind of want to take a look at this process and see how it's working is it working and we wanted to start with italy kind of like dip our toes into the water yeah, just we kind of ramp up on this because that's that's a lot to do and also they're they're kind of easy to to talk about because italy is is doing a great job they're not having any sort of problem with the big five distinction and probably wouldn't even have to worry about it. If Italy were were managed by Chris Jenner, she would tell them that they're doing a great job, sweetie. So before the big five distinction, Italy had participated in the contest uh, 36 times. They won twice in that time, and they finished in last place once uh, in 1966. That was a time where they received zero points. Sorry, Italy. As Ben mentioned earlier, they were on hiatus from 94 to 2010, except for 1997. And they came back in 2011, and it's pretty much been gangbusters for them. Yeah, like they have not finished. Well, no, I was about to say they have not finished outside the top 10. They have done that. They've been runner-up twice. Mm-hmm. They've been top 10 seven times out of nine. And like they were the favored to win in 2017. Yeah. And one of the favorites this year as well. And it felt like for like a, like five minutes during during the scores, it felt like, oh, yeah, Italy's going to do it. It feels like they're in the same place where I feel like Denmark was in the, the early 2010s, where it was like, OK, they keep sending good stuff. One of these years, it's going to lock into place for them. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of figuring out, do they just need to add salt? Do they just need to add some pepper? Just like a little something or just when are they going to get the Oscar where they maybe should have gotten it two years ago? but we're awarding it to them now. Oh, they should just send Meryl to uh, Eurovision next year. (laughs) That would be amazing. She's so talented. So what is working for Italy? Their vetting process works very well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that kind of makes sense because Eurovision is based off of the San Remo model. I mean, granted, San Remo has, has changed over the years, but the fundamentals of the San Remo contest are pretty much match up with the fundamentals of Eurovision. And it's a very thorough process. Like it's like taking the juries into account, the press into account, televote into account. Like it's just bringing in all of these factors. Yeah. It, it, and it's an exciting show with just very high caliber competition. Yeah. And I think when you look at the entries that have done really well for Italy, they, they have like a very strong identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I was trying to think of words other than just they're very Italian to, to describe yeah. <laughs> them, but they're very Italian. Like they feel very much like if you pulled someone off the street and and they agreed to listen to your question of it, what do you think a song sent to a song competition by Italy sounds like? I feel like if you look at what's done very well for them, that lines up because like if you mm-hmm. look at when they first came back, re-listening to uh, Raphael Galazzi's performance, I'm like yes. 
This is this is what my brain pictures for for Italy. Il Volo. Yes, this is what my brain pictures for Italy sending a song to a song competition. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is like their entries do tend to be almost exclusively in Italian or like having minimal English. Have, having like that one chorus in there. that's partially in English. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like they're pandering the way that like Albania uh, before <laughs> before they figured stuff out where they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to like have our contest in Albanian and then translate the song into English because English songs do better at Eurovision. It's like mm, not necessarily. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think Italy is just like, nope, we're just going to do our own thing. And yeah, there's just a genuineness. Yeah, there's a genuineness to it. Like that. I like Marco Mangoni's uh, entry is still one of my favorites. And it's just like a very good male ballad. And mm. like that tends to be what they send and does well for them. If you mm-hmm. look over over the years, like you have like a few you have like a few things that don't quite fit that pattern, like uh, 2018, where they finished fifth. They finished fifth with that song that kind of felt like I was being lectured. Uh, but like that, the message of that song really resonated with with the the audience, obviously. Mm-hmm. And like otherwise, they will do things that just that still feel very idiosyncratic. That I can't see somebody else doing like Occidentalis Karma, mm-hmm. for instance, even this year, even Soldi, like that felt that felt new and that felt like it was sort of pulling in both the Italian tradition and what's going on in the world and with music right now in a way that still felt very genuine. Yes. And, and like genuine to like, Oh yeah, this is an Italian pop song and just kind of like how I think a lot of people do sort of expect Eurovision to be like Norway is going to send what they think is happening in Norwegian music right now. And France is going to send what is the top of the pops in France. And, but that's usually not the case. I think Italy is the, is one of the few countries, like I would say like Italy, Sweden, Russia, sometimes where it's just like, Oh no, like we're actually sending something that is the pulse. Of yes. This is what, what we're listening to now or pop music is, or yeah. if, or if, or if it not quite like they'll send something that, that feels very much like what you'd expect of Eurovision. Uh, if you just mm-hmm. have like a very kind of, kitschy mental picture of it like occidentalis karma of course there's going to be a man doing a dance with a person in a gorilla suit it's eurovision Mm -hmm. and like that was delightful like i'm not i'm not knocking that like that was a delightful performance and i got it let's see so what doesn't work just looking at the data and i made like a bunch of close a bunch of open parentheses to indicate my sadness with this is that when italy has sent female singers they have not done as well although one of those is a ninth place finish which is not bad no, although I loved Nina Zilli's entry, and I thought she should have ranked higher. That was my favorite entry of 2012. Um, and she also had some delightful shade about Sweden <laughs> after the contest. And like, sore loser Eurovision is like one of my secrets. Is delight is great. Yeah, yeah. is yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was kind of reveling in the fact that Italy did not give Sweden any points and was the only country not to give Sweden any points. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she made kind of a big deal about that on Twitter, and I was like ha get it girl but <laughs> drag them uh yeah but euphoria is uh, fine, but <laughs> looking, looking at what like what else didn't do bad like i'm not sure it's necessarily the performer because i feel like these are all fairly dynamic performances because italy sends good performers but like i do remember being uh very derogatory about uh emma's lamia lamia at the time and saying that it sounded like it should be like soundtracking a dsw ad I mean, that's fair. like that's still that's still a good thing to soundtrack a major corporation's shoe ad. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then like no degree of separation in 2016. I really like that song, and I thought it was underrated. Yeah, I thought it was an okay song. I didn't really care for the performance. It was using a lot of that like on-screen graphic squiggly lines thing mm-hmm. that I 
it never works like it just never syncs up properly yeah i don't think the issue is female singers because the other factor that connects all three of them is they were not the winners of san remo la more effemina i think like that was Italy's attempt to do the sort of pandering that I was talking about earlier, where it's just like, oh yeah, it's mostly in English, and... They tried that, and it didn't work for them, so they moved on. Yeah, and, like, trying to play the game did not quite work, although, like, again, ninth place is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, like, you're still top ten, that's fine. You're doing great. Exactly. Emma was an internal selection, which I think that was, again, Italy just being like, oh, well, let's just try this, and... They finished in 21st place, and... And they immediately went back to San Remo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, experiment over. But uh, And also, I mean, 2014 was just such a competitive year that, like, it, it was kind of a case of, well, somebody had to finish in 21st. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were... 2014 is maybe my favorite contest. Anyway, uh, and then um, No Degree of Separation, Francesca, she was the runner-up at San Remo because the band that won the contest... They didn't want to change their tour dates, so they exercised their right of first refusal. And yeah, she kind of like Miss America her way into going to Eurovision. So, but no, that is an excellent data point that I completely overlooked. It, it may be giving a little too much credit to San Remo. It was just like, oh, their process is so perfect that only their winning entry can succeed at Eurovision, and like not even the the rest of their top three would be successful. It feels a little far fetched, but yeah, it, it at does. Least... But on the other, like. The nine pieces of data that we have so far, it's like, well, it kind of holds up. Yeah, so. like, that, that's more than just, like, the three data points to start going, I think this is a pattern. Like, that's that's a lot of data. Mm-hmm. So, I Italy's doing okay, but they still haven't won yet. They, yeah, they still haven't captured the crown. Yeah. Yeah, at least in, in this current configuration of Eurovision. So, what do we recommend that they do? Just based on that last one, stick with San Remo because, and, mm-hmm. and try to stick with the winner. Or at least stick with the song that they come with rather than trying to... I don't, I don't know, like... The only thing that's coming to my brain right now on this is don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, sh- they should send that. No. Uh, <laughs> they, they should but in not. Italian. That is already yeah. a song. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, just, in English it is, but in Italian... No. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... I think they should stick with San Remo, but I think it's it's tricky because there were a couple of reasons why Occidentalis Karma, I think, underperformed in 2017 when it was the favorite to win. And it, it kind of hits both my recommendations. Uh, one, the song should be closer to the three minute length or at least have a three minute version kind of in the back pocket. Yeah, the, so that, yeah where you have that radio mix ready to go. Yeah, because the original version of that song is like four i want to say it's over four minutes and yeah they pretty much had to cut out the second verse of the song they had to get and renovate sec- it like we're doing now yeah but it's just like the second verse of that song was my favorite part of the song because it really kind of built up the enthusiasm mm-hmm. that made that song so delightful and it was just completely absent it just went like uh verse chorus repeat of the chorus and then the bridge yeah, and yeah. it's like oh that that no that just does not quite work so but the other issue with that song was san ramos held toward the beginning of february and i think by the time eurovision came around francisco gabani he was already releasing his next single and was it seemed kind of like he was ready to move on from that song and continue with his career but it's like oh i still got to do this thing and move on so 
I don't know if it's just a case of just have it a have San Remo a week later. It's like a little I mean, close it, to March. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a weird nitpick, and it shouldn't really matter. And I don't think it does because I mean, like Soldi did very well, and mm-hmm. I mean, it was held in the same time frame. So yeah, yeah, like I don't have like any any major changes to like what they're doing. Just like little like fun little tweaks. Like again, have that radio mix ready to go. Have it be closer to mm-hmm. three minutes so that you're not completely chopping off a verse of your song i think they've almost cracked the formula again it might just be where like they just need to keep doing a real good work and eventually the stars will align they've clearly demonstrated that they're just going to do their own thing anyway and like would have zero intention of listening to what we have to suggest and that's probably why we don't have any suggestions well well, yeah like (laughs) unlike some nations that just like proudly keep marching to their beat uh, like their their offbeat drum this is where we're like no keep doing keep doing your thing like yes you're you're doing great this is working. Just please keep doing that. It's nice. Yes. And please win. Please. Yeah. yeah and please win. <laughs> that would be a fun contest. Yeah. Especially because like I at least three of these entries, I was like, oh, this is the one that should win. And then it just makes me sad that I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So one down, four to go. Yes. Uh, but before we get to that, do have a little bit of a surprise. Even Ben doesn't know the details. As you know, one of our goals this year is to take over all media whenever and wherever we can. So to that end, I have registered the EuroWhat for consideration for the Podcast Awards. It's a People's Choice Awards internet thing. I thought it might be kind of fun to try to get that to happen for us. Listeners can go to podcastawards.com and nominate us in the music podcast category. Looking at previous year's nominees, there's no Eurovision representation in the music category, so this is a chance for our Eurovision community to try to get get some attention. That is great. Like, I have totally seen those and thought, we should apply for that, and just not filled out the paperwork. So good on you for filling out the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that said, if we do win when I'm, I'm printing them on my business cards immediately. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so we need our listeners' help. We will have a link in the show notes, and we'll be posting it on all of our social media, a link to where you can uh, fill out the nomination form. I think you do have to register for their site, but it should be free registration, and you can go in, uh, nominate for a whole bunch of different categories it's not just music podcasts there's like reality tv podcasts news podcasts politics podcasts probably other ones that you listen to so like while while you're there nominating us you could be like oh hey there's another one that i listen to and throw them a nomination and it's a little fun it's a little goofy but yeah it would be really awesome if we could get this to happen and uh yeah get eurovision on the radar of people who may not even know that this awesome thing exists you have until august 10th to get the nominations in to fill that ballot box yes okay well that's gonna do it for this episode of the euro what thanks for listening the euro podcast is hosted by ben smith that's me and mike mccomb that's me next time we're going to take our sledgehammer to spain and germany to figure out what they can do to improve their standing in eurovision do you have ideas please let us know uh t- on twitter on facebook on instagram at euro what in a rare case of me saying this please at us on what you think could be done to fix spain and germany you can subscribe to the euro what on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or the podcast app of your choice uh, you can also subscribe on our website eurowhat.com we'll be back in two weeks to try and make sense of what's new in eurovision 